Let's open our Bibles to John chapter 1. The last time we gathered, we studied verses 1 through 14. We left off in verse 14 of John chapter 1, where it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And we talked a a little bit about the deity of Jesus Christ. And if you were to look up the word deity in the dictionary, you'd see that it says that the word deity means the rank or essential nature of God. So we want to talk about the deity of Jesus Christ. When Jesus walked on this earth in a fleshly body, he was fully God and fully man. And before we move on in our study today of the Gospel of John, I think it's important that we nail down as much as we possibly can our understanding of the fact that Jesus is God. He was God in the flesh when he walked on this earth. And I'd like for us to spend a little time just digging deeper into the Word of God and checking out a few verses of Scripture that speak to the deity of Jesus Christ. Again, I often encourage you to always allow the Word of God to interpret itself. You do not need the interpretations of any man or any woman because the Holy Spirit knew exactly what he was doing when he used men to write these books that are in our Bible. right? And, and as always, we will be looking at a lot of different scriptures today as we go through this study. So hopefully now you're at John chapter 1, but I want you to go ahead and mark this page. And I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 1. You'll find the book of Colossians to the right of the Gospel of John. It's right after the book of Philippians, and it's right before the book of 1 Thessalonians. So, Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to start reading in verse 12. So Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Okay, so that's Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Now, just a little side note here before we move on. We see the mention there of light and darkness in verses 12 and 13. Our spiritual eyes are not able to see if we have not come to and surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ. It's only when a person is in Christ that they can walk in the light. And have this understanding, okay? God, through the death, 
the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ has delivered us from the power of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, as it says there in verse 13. And every aspect of our lives is to be turned over to Him. We are to absolutely surrender to Jesus Christ. You know, in the ancient days when one country would war against another country, everything the losing country possessed then belonged to the winner. To the victor goes the spoils, right? And you see, Jesus conquered the power of darkness, and we are his prize. When your eyes have been opened to the truth of who Jesus really is, you are brought out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his love. Verse 14 here says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. How awesome is that? Our sins are forgiven. Not because of anything good that we do, but because of Jesus shedding his blood. Now, getting back on to our topic here, what about the deity of Jesus Christ? Is he God? Verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. You see, in Jesus Christ, the invisible God became visible. And we're going to see that more as we go along. But then here in verse 16, it says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. Now, keep this in mind here. What we studied last week in verses 1, 2, and 3 of John chapter 1. And I'm just going to quote it to you. You don't need to turn there right now. But in in John chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. Then, verse 14 of John chapter 1, and I already quoted that to you here once, but it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. I'm just bringing you into remembrance of these scriptures, because here in Colossians, we see that it says that by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. You know, I don't claim to be a very intelligent guy by any stretch of the imagination. But even if I were, I would never be able to comprehend the vastness and the greatness of our Creator. But I do know Him. Why? Because He has made Himself known to us. The God of all creation became flesh and dwelt among us. 
And we now have the word of God so that we may come to the knowledge of who this great God really is. Verses 17 through 19 here continue. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. So what's the bottom line here? Jesus is God. All the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, let's look at Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, and we're going to start reading in verse 6. It says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Okay. Now, pause right there. It says here, as you have received Christ, walk in him. How is it that we know anything about Jesus today? Well, his handiwork is evident, of course, in all of creation. But the greatest resource for knowledge that we have about Jesus today is all contained in the pages of our Bibles. Remember the last time we gathered, we read in 1 Peter that we are born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. How? Through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So that's how we receive Jesus. That's how we come to the knowledge of him at all. And that's how we are born again, through the word of God, right? And verse 6 there says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So again, the word of God which lives and abides forever, right? We have that. Jesus is the word made flesh. We know that. So what do we need to do? We need to continue to walk in him. And we will continue to walk in him. In other words, live out the life. And we'll continue to do that as we walk in his word as we remain obedient to his word. So we must read the word. We must study the word of God in order to be able to walk as God desires for us to walk through this life. Let's keep going here in Colossians chapter 2. Verse 7 says, Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So now, We are to remain rooted in the Lord Jesus, established in our faith as we have been taught, right? But notice what can happen, though, if we're not careful. Verse 8 says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. You see, you can't allow this to happen. 
Again, you are not called to a religion. You are not called to a specific church or a denomination. You are not called to follow the traditions of men. You are called to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So as verse 8 says, don't allow yourself to be cheated. And you know, you won't be cheated if you stay plugged into the word of God. Jesus Christ. Keep growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ because he is all you need. Verse 9 says, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You see, you don't need me or any other person on the face of this earth to give you their opinions and their philosophies about who God is. All you need to know about who our God is, who our Savior is, who is this Jesus, it's all contained within the pages of your Bibles. I will never ask you to become a follower of me. I will simply point you back to the Word of God so that you may grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Him. But you must be sure to read the Bible, study the Bible on your own. The scriptures plainly point out that Jesus is God. He is the creator of all things, and he holds all things together. And he has delivered us from spiritual darkness, and he desires to take up residence within our hearts. When you read and you study his word, you will know the truth about who he is, and that truth will liberate you from walking in darkness. Your eyes will be opened to things you've never seen nor understood before. But again, we must keep our focus on the Word of God. Not on men, not on religions, not on what you find on the internet and all these various doctrines that are out there. Stick close to the Word of God. In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, in verse 23, Jesus says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. You should look that verse up, John chapter 14, verse 23. I'll read it again. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. It's amazing to think about the fact that the God of all creation desires to be with us. He desires to be in us. And this indeed does happen. It happens the moment that our eyes are open to the truth of his word and we place our faith in Jesus Christ. And remember, we talked about in our last study the reason that the Gospel of John was written in the first place. Do you remember that? It was written so that we can come to know our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we can come to believe in Jesus. So, again, we just spent a little time here looking to the Scripture and getting an understanding of the deity of Jesus Christ. And there's a lot more Scriptures you can study on it, and I encourage you to dig deeper. So now, though, we'll go ahead and we'll turn back to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. 
Again, we left off in verse 14, and we're going to pick it up now in verse 15, John chapter 1. It says, John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. What does that mean? Well, you see, in the physical sense, John the Baptist was born before Jesus Christ was born in the flesh. But John knew something. He knew that Jesus was really before him because Jesus is the Word made flesh. Jesus is God. And John knew what his own purpose was here on this earth. He was called by God to point people to Jesus. And we'll see as we continue to study this gospel that people will begin to follow John. But he will later make a statement in which, speaking of Jesus, he says, he must increase, but I must decrease. We studied last time in verse 7 of chapter 1, where the apostle John said of John the Baptist that he came to bear witness of the light. He wasn't that light, right? He just pointed people to the one who is the light. And you know, God still uses people today to point others to the light that is Jesus Christ. And we also talked about last week how Satan blinds the eyes of people so that the light of the gospel does not shine on them. And spiritually speaking, there are only two groups of people on the earth today. Those that are walking in the light of Jesus Christ and those that are walking in darkness. And there are spiritual forces today trying to keep people from coming to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And in addition to that, there are many different religions and many different philosophies on the earth today But according to the Bible, according to God's word, there is only one way and one true light, and that is Jesus Christ. Everything else is darkness. Again, this is according to the Bible. So John continues to testify of Jesus, and he says in verse 16, And of his fullness we have all received in grace for grace. You see, the grace that we have received is all from the fullness of Jesus Christ. Grace is unmerited favor. We didn't do anything to deserve the forgiveness of our sins. It is offered to us by the love of God. God's favor has been poured out to mankind, and it's all because of what Jesus has done. Verse 17 continues and says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You see, you can go back into the Old Testament book of Exodus, and you can read that the light came from, uh, excuse me, the law came from God through Moses to the people. But the law did not keep people from sinning. And, you know, you can think about it today. The same thing holds true. Suppose you were to come upon an old abandoned warehouse 
and there were signs everywhere that said, no trespassing. But your curiosity got the best of you. You wanted to see what was inside, so you proceeded to go onto the property. The law of the no trespassing signs didn't keep you off the property, did it? It's like a speed limit sign, right? (laughs) Those signs are not just suggestions, are they? But the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You see, we have an Old Testament and a New Testament. We are now under the New Testament, the new covenant, if you will. There's now grace and truth offered to mankind. We're not under the law. Now keep that in mind, and I want you to turn to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Just turn up a couple books from John here, and you will find the book of Romans. It's right after the book of Acts. So Romans chapter 8, and let's start reading in verse 1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Okay, so pause right there. You see, when your spiritual eyes are open to the truth about who Jesus is, you can now walk through this life in a different way. You can now walk being led by the Spirit. You no longer need to be a slave to sin. Jesus has set us free from sin and death. But the law of Moses, right, it couldn't do that. It couldn't set us free. Nor can religion today set us free. Look at verse 3 here. It says, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. Think about that. Religion is weak through the flesh. In other words, we know don't do this, don't do that, do this, do that. But yet, through the flesh, we're weak, right? Well, so what the law could not do, in, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So you see, that's God's grace. This is what God did to solve the sin problem. That sin that separates us from God, he did something to solve it. He became flesh. And our carnal flesh on its own does not have the ability to remain free from sin. We couldn't solve the sin problem on our own. No one can. So Jesus came, and he walked on the earth as a sinless man. He went to the cross and took the sin of the world upon himself and condemned sin in the flesh. And it is the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that has made us free. You see, God wanted a relationship with us. He didn't want us separated from knowing him. He wanted a relationship with us so much so that he went to such great lengths 
to redeem us. We all have sinned, but now through the Holy Spirit, we don't have to walk in the way that we once did without Jesus Christ because we can come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the light. Our eyes can be open. We can now receive a new life through faith in Jesus Christ. And turning back now to John chapter 1. John chapter 1 and verse 17. We, we see that grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And then verse 18. It says, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. Now, the bosom in a physical sense can be described as the front of the body between the arms. So right there in, you know, your chest area. And, and using the expression in the bosom here means to be in the most uh, intimate, the closest relationship with someone else. So no one has seen God at any time, but Jesus, who is in the closest and most intimate relationship with God, he has declared him to us. The Bible tells us in John 4.24 that God is a spirit. It's important that we understand this. God is a spirit. John 4.24, look it up on your own. And we know, as we've studied thus far, that God became flesh. And that's what John is reiterating here. Jesus has declared to us who God the Father is because no one has seen God. But God took on human flesh as Jesus Christ and mankind then saw God. And now we're going to see that John the Baptist is proclaiming all of this, what, what we are reading here, he's proclaiming all of this as a result of him being questioned as to who he was. Look at verse 19. It says, Now this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Now, I like John's answer here. He didn't try to defend himself. He really didn't care if they knew who he was. He wasn't proud. He didn't give a list of all of his credentials. You know, the birth of John the Baptist was actually miraculous in many ways. And he was set apart to be used by God. But he didn't proclaim any of this to these guys that were asking who he was. He just very simply and very humbly told them who he was not. You know, today it's easy for us as men and women to fall into the trap of proclaiming our own credentials. We can focus all of our ener energy on being all that we can be and lifting ourselves up rather than focusing on who God, our Creator, wants us to be and how He wants us to walk through this life. But John the Baptist here demonstrates humility. 
Then verse 21, And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. You see, these priests and Levites that were questioning John here had a knowledge of some of the books of the Old Testament, and they knew that Deuteronomy chapter 18 says that the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren, him you shall hear. That's what Deuteronomy chapter 18, it says. And these priests and Levites here are wondering, who is this guy named John? Where did he come from? Why is he here? And what is he doing? Verse 22 continues, Then they said to him, Who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. So what John did here was quoted to them from the Old Testament book of Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3. John's calling in life was to make straight or to prepare people for the coming of the Lord. And you know, the Bible does give us more information about who John is, so let's uh, mark this page again and turn to uh, Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. Of course, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. You're going to find Matthew chapter 3. And we will start reading in verse 1. Matthew 3, 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And John himself was clothed in camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist. And his food was locust and wild honey. Now, You wouldn't see John on the cover of GQ magazine or anything like that, right? But it goes on to say here, Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Now, you don't need to turn there, but in the gospel of Luke chapter 7, verse 28, and you can look it up yourself, Jesus said that among those born of women, which of course includes everybody, Jesus said, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. You see, no one had a greater message to proclaim than John the Baptist. Here comes the king. This is the light of the world, the light of men, the Messiah, the God of all creation is coming in the flesh. That was the message that John was born to declare. And we also see there that John preached a message of repentance, which we'll talk about in future Bible studies. 
But it's very important that we understand what repentance is and that before we come to Christ, we must come repentant, willing to turn from our sins and to receive him. But there was not a greater prophet because there was not a greater message to proclaim. And you know, these Pharisees and Sadducees that John called a brood of vipers here, they were the religious people of that day, and, and John was calling them to, again, show fruit of repentance. It's not about religion anymore. It's not about keeping the law. It's about being born again. It's about walking in obedience to the Word of God. It's about repentance. It's about turning to Jesus Christ and faith in Him. And John continues on in verse 9 and says, And do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. You see, John here is pointing out to them the fact that the old way of keeping the law is done away with. Again, it's now all about Jesus. It's all about what he will do or or has done in our case to, to set us free. Many religions today are built on the teachings of men and women. And they have taken the name of Jesus and they've used it for their religious purposes. And many have used the name of Jesus for financial gain. But our lives are not to be rooted and built upon a man's religion. We are to be rooted and built up in Jesus alone. Read Hebrews chapter 1 sometime and you'll see that God has spoken to us now in one way in the last days. And the way he has now spoken to us is through his son, Jesus Christ. And you know, religion will fail you. Church will fail you. Mankind will fail you. Pastors will fail you. And you know what? You'll fail yourself. But Jesus, the word of God, will never fail. And that's why All of your attention needs to be on him and not on man, not anyone on the face of this earth. Turn now to Psalm 118. Again, the book of Psalms is around the middle of your Bible. I want you to find Psalm 118, verse 8. It's a very important verse here. It's a short verse, maybe one you can put to memory. Psalm 118.8 It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Let's read it again. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. So that's very plain and very simple, isn't it? Don't trust in man. Don't even trust in me when I teach you the Bible, though I like to point you to it, and hopefully you're following along in your Bible that you can see what I'm saying is there. But the point is, is you need to study the Bible for yourself. And you need to put yourself in a position where you're growing in the knowledge of the Lord through reading and studying the Word of God and pointing others to it as well. Trust in Jesus. Put all of your confidence in Him. Keep your eyes in the word of the Lord and you will grow in the knowledge of him and you will find peace in your heart. You will find peace of mind. You will find great comfort. You will find joy. You will find hope 
all contained within the living Word of God. And turning back now to John chapter 1, we'll go ahead and wrap it up for today. John chapter 1, picking it up in verse 24. It says, Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees, okay? And they asked him, okay, remember this, they're questioning John the Baptist here, right? And they asked him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water. But there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. So you see, first of all, whenever you stand out or whenever you stand up for the Lord, you can be sure that the world around you is going to question you like they did John here, even if they don't do it verbally. They're going to look at you strange in some way, shape, or form. They're going to be thinking or they're going to be asking maybe, why do you live like this? Why do you behave this way? You're not like you used to be. Why can't you just be like everyone else? Why can't you be just the way you used to be? And these are the kind of questions that you will face when your eyes have been opened to the light and the truth of Jesus Christ. Some people might even avoid you. Maybe even some family members may keep their distance from you. Because your eyes have now been opened to the truth of who Jesus is and you don't walk in the way you used to walk. But you know, when we get asked these kind of questions, our answers can be very similar to the way John answered this question here. And we can say, hey, you know, there's someone you don't know. And because of his word and because of his grace, I've come to a place in my life where I know him. And he's so much greater than me, and I'm not worthy of him at all. That's the kind of humility we are to show. That's the kind of walk we are to have. And you see, this is the case for all of us. We're not worthy. But God has still offered us the gift of grace. The freedom to turn from our sins and to place our faith in Jesus Christ, to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And all it takes is for us to turn, to turn from a life where we're led by the flesh and it's all about us, and to turn to a life where we're led by the Spirit and it's all about Jesus. God bless.